And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Delzell and myself, Son Edom, talk about the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective, a Christian worldview, I guess you could say. And, and Dan, if there was one, one thing I could say that could change your life forever, would you believe it? What if I was to say to you, I've got the lucky numbers for the lottery tonight, and I think you should go out and buy a ticket. Would that change your life? Or what if I was to say, you know what? I've got the perfect job for you. You need to quit your job. I've got the perfect job for you that will last forever. Or I've got some words of wisdom, some insight that I got from a from those Chinese cookies that you open up and you get your fortune. I've got the perfect one for you. Would any of that tantalize you into wanting to know? Or maybe I know your fortune. I've read, I've read the astrology charts. And, and it's uh, the dawning of the age of Aquarius. So I know that this is going to be the time. Would any of that appeal to you? Is there anything that, like one sentence, I mean, the simplest thing that we have in the English language is a sentence. Just one sentence. Sometimes it could be a word. Sometimes it could be, you know, a compound sentence, many words. But is there one sentence that is out there that can change your life forever? And if it's nothing that I suggested, what might it be? Well, I believe, Son, that a sentence, one sentence that could change the life of anyone who would say this and really pray this from their heart in faith, I believe that one sentence is found in a song that we sang in church uh, in the last couple of weeks called Lamb of God. And the chorus in that song says, uh, wash me in his precious blood, uh, Jesus Christ, Lamb of God. And what makes that one sentence so powerful, Son, is that if a person says it in faith and means it, if they understand the significance of the blood of Jesus Christ and why the Savior shed his blood and why our sin can only be covered by his blood. It cannot be covered by one of our good works or a thousand of our good works or 10,000 of our good works. It cannot be covered by sincerity. It cannot be covered by trying to live the best moral life or being as nice as you could possibly be. The only thing that can wash away man's sin is the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. And so when someone says this sentence, wash me in your blood, Jesus, what they're inviting and asking the Lord to do is to cover them with the righteousness of God and to give them eternal life in heaven. And the purpose of my article, One Sentence Can Change Your Life Forever, is that when you come to God through Christ, who is the Son of God, three persons and one God, the Father sent the Son to die on the cross, the Holy Spirit is working right now to help people understand this message, to understand the gospel. When you call upon the Lord, and you call upon his blood, in essence, it's not magic. You know, God doesn't operate in magic. Magic is, uh, as we find in Scripture, something where evil angels 
give people power. They, they work through magicians. And we see that in the Old Testament there with Pharaoh's magicians. We see it in the New Testament in the book of Acts with Simon the Sorcerer. Um, these are examples of magicians who tap into supernatural power, the power of evil angels. We're not talking about magic. God is so far above magic. Um, we're talking about the supernatural power of God to convert a soul, to save a lost sinner. And the only thing, son, as you and I know, that can do that is the blood of Jesus Christ. So, uh, wow, what a, what a powerful sentence. I think, son, of millions and millions of books that have been written, millions and millions, maybe billions of sentences in those books, but I know of no sentence more powerful. Now, this isn't the only sentence. I, I mean, you know, somebody could come up with a sentence like, um, you know, Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. I, you know, turn my life over to you now. I mean, so it, it's not that this is the only sentence. But there is so much power in the blood. And, and there's no way to really understand the gospel. Without, stand, without understanding the significance of the blood of Christ, the death of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, they're all connected. So again, this isn't a magical sentence, but I like how you reference, you know, like some people saw it, would think about maybe the lottery, or if I hit the right numbers. Um, we're talking here about eternal life in heaven for all who call upon the name of the Lord. You know, one of the things that, is out there. I mean, I'm sure I don't have exact figures, but I'm sure it's a multi-billion dollar, if not multi-million dollar industry. And that's the self-help. I mean, you've got people like Tony Robbins and others that are out there uh, trying to help people. You know, you've got uh, Christians that are, you know, more self-help type of people putting books and uh, putting books out there and, and programs or things that you can read and, and programs you can go through to help you feel better about yourself and to do better. Um, obviously, you know, therapy, which can be a good thing, you know, it's not a bad thing, can be a good thing, but sometimes there's people out there in counseling and stuff like that. They're always searching for something and some of it's good, but then also some of it's just like, I'm going to empower myself. So I'm going to go and talk to somebody or be a part of this conference or go to this weekend getaway and empower myself by listening to said speaker or go through some program so that that way um, it's a better thing for me to enhance my life. And we're always searching. People are always searching, 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 searching. And one of the things that I've noticed over the years is that when I was teaching at the college, um, there's this one professor there and knew her for about eight years and I'd follow her like just kind of from afar watch her life and her lifestyle and she went from one thing you know it'd be it'd be something like this and and this isn't exactly what it was but you know it'd be like okay first I'm going to be into yoga well that's not really fulfilling so then I'm going to get into this over here and then maybe it might be save the planet you know mother earth no that's not really fulfilling then I'm going to go over here to this thing and they keep bouncing around from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing and I look at that often in perplexed by people that are always searching because, you know, for me as a Christian, maybe people say it's easy to have um, a foundation of belief because I grew up in it, but that's the one thing that's never been changing. And, and all the changes and all the things that have been going on in this world, even most, more recently, um, but all the things I've endured, my faith and what I believe in the foundation 
is what guides me to respond or to react or to go with whatever it is that's happening. And like you said, this one statement here is pretty uh, defining of what that is. You know, if we put our faith in Jesus, it's not going to be an easy road still, but we have an understanding of who's in control. We don't have to go to, you know, a Tony Robbins seminar, or we don't have to go read this person's book, or we don't have to go to this weekend getaway. You know, we don't have to, you know, open up a, a Chinese cookie, you know, a fortune cookie and be like, hey, this is what my fortune is, you know, whatever the case may be. And I just find it fascinating that people are always searching, always searching, always searching. And yet even sometimes when you share with them, you know, because the, the, the one lady asked me, you know, why are you so calm? Why are you so, you know, even keel, I guess, you know, I'm never bounced around from this to that. And so I'm, I was like, you know, cause I have a foundation in the faith that I believe in and I don't need to waver from that. I don't need to change from that. I don't need to question it because I know it's true. And yet people are always searching. So when you get a statement as simple or maybe not as simple, but something as simple as this that we're talking about today, one sentence, you know, the lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. People just don't want to believe it. They don't want to believe it, and they want to search all these other things and run out to the desert and worship the sun and dance around and do all this stuff. And I find it amazing that they that they won't just try God. You know, like that, like it was try milk, right? Got milk? Mm-hmm. Well, don't you have God? You know, try God just for a little bit and see what happens because it might just change your life. Oh, there's no doubt about it, son. And the image that came to me when you were sharing there is that when a person begins to seek for spiritual truth, um, when, when a person begins to um, find out what is this all about, you know, I think about, you know, an individual that, that you know very well, and, and I knew um, when you and I got connected through his radio program, the Frank, the Frank uh, Sontag Show in L.A., and, and, you know, you know his story very well about, um, you know, kind of what he came out of and kind of a, a new age uh, background and searching some of these different things that you mentioned until he discovered Jesus. I, I think about people, for example, let's just take that L.A. scene, for example, son. You know, it's almost like people are at the beach having a great day at the beach. Um, and let's just take a person who's not thinking about anything spiritually, anything about God. You know, um, they see the beach very clearly. They see the water. That's all they see. You know, they're not even thinking about um, eternity. They're not thinking about sin. They're not thinking about God. But, but, but then um, something happens um, that causes them to start to search. For example, um, uh, on our uh, church uh, Facebook page today, a, a post went up of a of an interview uh, that I heard here. I actually listened to it last night. And what caught my attention is it said, um, atheist comedian uh, turns to God in essence. Well, you know, this man's testimony is very powerful. And just to summarize it, um, he, he went through a very difficult time in his marriage that he lays out, but that, that, um, that led him to start seeking for God's help. And he went through some of the different um, religions. I think he mentioned uh, Buddhism and, and something else, at least that he tried. And, you know, you mentioned sign yoga and this and that. Um, so I, I'm kind of mixing some things in here. But um, so thinking about this atheist comedian now, you know, he eventually discovered um, that, it, that Christ is the way. 
In fact, there was a man who kept sending him these envelopes with like um, some different biblical messages in them. And, or I, I should say just, you know, books of the Bible, like he would send him different, uh, uh, just recordings. And, and, and so he, he opened that up. And the first one he listened to was Ecclesiastes. And, and he said, you know, it so struck him, you know, because Solomon is writing there, everything is meaningless. And that's exactly what he needed to hear because that's exactly what he was feeling. And so that started him then really on a journey um, that led him then all the way to, uh, to Jesus. But now if we go back to the beach song, I use that atheist comedian to say people many times have to get from a place where they're just enjoying the beach to now maybe they hit bottom in some area of their life and they start to seek. Because like you said, son, they don't have the background that like you and I and, and many Christians have where um, we've been blessed to, you know, grow up in a, in a Christian home and learn about the Lord. Uh, but many people don't have that. And, uh, and so for those then who start to seek, it's almost then like you're at the beach. And the way I kind of picture it, son, is this. Let's say you have like um, seven figures there, uh, individuals there that all represent a different way to God, supposedly, or they, they, they claim to be. And then when you start to seek, you don't really know what you're seeking for. It's almost like you were seeing the beach very clearly, all the worldly things clearly, but now you've got these multiple figures that are all very hazy to you. But you know deep down that you need to connect with something real that is spiritual, that will get you to God. So I kind of picture it like, you know, it's almost like you have this very poor eyesight. It would almost be like if, if I wasn't wearing my contact lenses, you know, uh, I would never want to be driving without those or some glasses on um, because I wouldn't be able to see very far. And, and that's almost like what it's like in a way, maybe even hazier than that. And, and so I think what some people do then is they go out and they, they, they approach one of these hazy figures and they reach out and maybe they take them by the hand and that represents they really investigate that. And you hear this all the time of people who, on their journey, they investigated these multiple different religions. Uh, I remember hearing Hugh Ross recently talk about that, the astrophysicist, how um, he was an atheist as a child. And then as he, uh, somebody gave him a Gideon's Bible, um, and it just changed his life when he started to hear the gospel. But anyway, he went through all these different religions that he searched through. So the person on the beach now saw him, the seeker, They'll go up to this one figure and they'll study it, but it's still hazy and it still doesn't connect you to God. And so you have to keep searching. Now, of course, some people just stay with that, that hazy one, whether it be Scientology, um, maybe yoga, you know, is all they, they, they settle for, um, Buddhism, um, whatever it is, but that, that hazy figure. And, and here's what I picture it happens. Um, it's only when you come to Christ and are holding his hand in faith. And for example, when you say, wash me, Savior, in your precious blood, it's only then, son, that you gain eyesight and you see Jesus. Now, again, I'm not talking about a, a vision where you're, you're seeing him in your mind as a person, but you're seeing him that he is God. You're seeing the truth. Um, it's interesting, son, to kind of really throw another little thing into this. Um, and I was just reading again today about a, a Muslim who had this experience, but how many Muslim individuals are having dreams where Jesus is coming to them in, the, in a dream and saying, hey, I'm, I am God. I am um, the Savior that you need. And, and so they are, they're actually seeing uh, 
the figure of Jesus in their dream. But, but in, in my analogy, I'm talking about a person on the beach, they're seeking. Um, and until you get to Christ, it's hazy. You know, you go to Buddhism, it's hazy. Um, you go to these other religions, it's hazy. But when you come to Jesus, all of a sudden, uh, things clear up. And it's almost like what C.S. Lewis said. Um, how did he put that? That, um, you know, believing in, in Jesus is kind of like, you know, what, um, what the sun does. Um, it's, it, it's not that, how did he put that son? Um, basically I know that the end of it was, um, it, it's because of, it's because of the sun then that I see everything else. Um, so I really botched the C.S. Lewis quote, but, um, it was a good one. We'll get back to that at some point. But anyway, um, the analogy I think is a good one. The people on the beach, the figures, um, that's what I think is going on. And, and that's just a very long answer to kind of your, your question. You throw out there, hey, why do people, you know, try all these different things? Well, because they don't know what they don't know. And it's like they're seeing these figures. They see Islam. They see Buddhism. They see Scientology. You know, they see the Baha'i religion. They see um, New Age stuff. They see yoga. They see Hinduism. And they go up and they hold the hand of that figure but it doesn't clear things up, you know. So anyway, that's uh, that's just a few thoughts I have on that on that issue. Yeah, you mentioned um, a guy from his journey from, uh, I don't know if you're talking about Nabil Koresh, but he was a guy that was had, wrote the book Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And he was mm-hmm. the one that talks about, you know, his conversion from Islam to Christianity. And he talks about supernatural dreams along the way. You know, and how oh, yes. that, you know, brought him around too, along with investigation. You know, he investigated, he went out and he, he was seeking Allah, a false God, and he found yes. Jesus. And then you cover that up or you back that up with Lee Strobel. You know, Lee Strobel yes. was a guy who was the, an investigative, or he was, I guess, a political reporter for the Chicago Tribune, but he went out mm-hmm. and I guess his wife was a Christian. And so Lee Strobel or became a Christian and Lee Strobel went out to, uh, basically prove that God did not exist. And through his investigation, he became a Christian. He went out to debunk Christianity and debunk God and debunk yes. Jesus. And he ended up through his fact finding mission and through all mm-hmm. the research material, he ended up finding Jesus. And so there's a pattern here. There's another guy. His name was Brian Worth. He's a pastor out of Long Beach, California. He was in prison murder or something like that. Um, he, he eventually got uh, pardoned by Governor Schwarzenegger at the time and eventually became a pastor. But what he talks about is that he was sitting in his cell um, and he was in solitary and he would listen to the other inmates basically go crazy because when you're in solitary confinement, I guess your mind just goes, you know, goes, goes nuts. And you would hear people talking to themselves or talking to things inside their prison cell when, no, when nothing's there. And so when Brian Ward talks about his story, he talks about starting to see visions in his cell. And he started to think to himself, okay, I'm going nuts now like all these other people. It's my time. But as he tells a story, it's these dreams and these visions of God coming to him and letting him know that he has a new journey for him. And Brian's like, well, I'm, I'm in prison for 33 years or whatever it is, so you know, good luck with that. And then the next thing you know, Schwarzenegger pardons him, and he becomes a pastor. Now he's telling his story, and you know, going on to uh, 
to do God's work. But, but it's amazing the limitations we put on God, but yet God can do great things. And then second, it's amazing that when people seek to debunk God and they're going to go out and be like, you know, I'm going to show you that you are wrong. What happens if they're honest about it, they will start to realize that the evidence there that they're starting to see Mm-hmm. starts to change them and they start to believe in the very thing that they went out to debunk. And it's kind of amazing. So if we kind of get out of our yeah. own ways, you know, if we're seeking and mm-hmm. searching and wanting something, you know, and we're looking at fortune yeah. cookies or going to astrology or talking to this guru or listening to that guy or reading this book or, you know, going to this website or whatever the case may be, you know, you sit there and you think about all the things that you could be investigating or talking about. Why not try to give, that same amount of effort into seeing if God is real. Try to disprove him because in the end, yeah. you're going to find out that the, oh, wash me in his precious blood, my Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, the Lamb of God, yeah. who, who then takes away the sins of the world, is going to become so prominently truthful to you that mm-hmm. it's going to be either you have to accept it or you're going to reject it, but you will absolutely know the truth. Oh, amen to that, son. And I, I think as you were talking, I think I remember the gist of C.S. Lewis's uh, quote that I kind of botched, but it, it's just so simple um, in the concept. Um, I just kind of missed it there for a moment. But he basically said, you know, it's, I, I don't only believe in the sun because I see the sun, meaning the sun in the sky, of course. He said, um, but I believe, I believe it in it because by it, I see everything else. And he said, that's, that's what Christianity is. Um, you know, he's saying, I don't only believe in Jesus because now I see him as my savior, but by him, I see everything else. And it's so amazing, Sam, because again, going back to that uh, image on the beach. So if you have a person now who's a seeker and now it's like the waves are still there, the surfers are still there, everything's still there. The boats are still out there, but now you're on a, now you're on a journey. Now you're on a mission. You're like, hey, I know all that, I've spent years with that, but I want to find out the meaning of life. I, I, I want to know what it's all about. And, and that's when you start to then see these hazy figures, in essence, and these multiple paths. And the sooner a person investigates and then accepts and trusts Jesus, that's then when the clarity in the spiritual realm goes on. And, and you begin to see now Jesus, but you also start to see all these other things. And, and it goes back to your original question here today, Simon. I was like, how can people like, you know, just keep going after one thing after the other? Well, they are spiritually blind, um, as we all are, apart from the Holy Spirit working. And um, if you're blind, but you know that you need God, if there is a God, maybe you're at that point, you know, if there is a God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so you know that you need God, but you kind of see these different options out there. So you investigate one after the other, kind of the way Hugh Ross did, um, kind of the way this atheist comedian did, kind of the way many, many people have who haven't had the, the luxury, the benefit, the blessing that you and I have had to, you know, that my, you know, like with our kids. I mean, we've raised them to know Jesus, to love Jesus as you have. So, you know, in your family, I mean, so my wife and I had raised them to know the Lord from very early on. Um, I, I mean, from the time our kids were probably three years old, I mean, they could tell you that Jesus died for my sins. Now, 
did they understand all the implications of that? No. Um, none of us, even, you know, now at our age, we don't understand all the implications of it, but we know it's true. And, and it brought comfort to my kids then, and it's brought comfort to my kids their whole life. And, I, and I'll tell you what else, Son, they, they knew that heaven is our home. And then I look at someone who's a very nice person in our, in our culture, um, who was in the news now here in the past few days. And it was very sad to see that, uh, Bob Saget, the comedian, uh, passed away. Um, and I read something here where apparently when Betty White passed away, um, here recently, um, Bob Saget was quoted in talking about the afterlife. And, and just basically he said in this quote anyway, he said, uh, that, you know, I don't know what happens after you die, but, but Betty White says that you get to go to be with whoever you've loved on earth. And so he said, I'll, I'll defer to Betty on that. Um, that represents someone, son, who um, needs to know what everyone needs to know, but who by his own honest uh, admission, he doesn't know um, what happens after we die. Um, apparently he wasn't taught from infancy, you know, from the time he was really little, like what our kids were taught, you know, God loves you. Christ is your savior. Jesus died for you. Um, when we die, we go to heaven. And in the meantime, we live for Jesus because he's given us the gift of eternal life. So every child needs that message. Every adult needs that message. Um, and you can be a very popular TV personality like Betty White or Bob Saget and have no clue. Um, or you could be somebody unknown to anyone else, you know, living like a hermit. No family, no friends. And you could be just as clueless. I mean, you know, the default position is not, oh, I have spiritual sight. I mean, that would be great, son, if everybody just had that. But no, um, what sin has done and what the devil does is he blinds people from seeing who Jesus is. And, and so obviously you and I and Christians, we have the privilege of telling other people that Jesus is the light of the world, that if you'll come to Christ, you'll be forgiven. And so here's a sentence that can help you if you'll say it in faith, wash me savior in your precious blood. I mean, I would just say sign to any listener today, my friend, I would encourage you, whether you're a believer already or not, um, whether you're maybe kind of, Getting close to that or not, um, I would encourage you to say that to God with all sincerity. And if you can't say that in all sincerity, then maybe try saying this. Maybe try saying, God, teach me about your son. Teach me about why he shed his blood. Teach me about the cross. Convict me of my sin, Holy Spirit. I mean, my friend, there's a lot you could do to reach out to God today. But whether you're a believer or not, I'm telling you, the sentence, wash me, Savior, in your precious blood. Um, there is so much power in the blood of Jesus. And I mean, just a very temporal benefit. You know, not, I'm not talking eternal. A temporal benefit of the blood of Jesus is if you ever have a nightmare, as many people have, we all have, I'm sure, um, ask God to protect your dreams with the blood of Jesus when you go to sleep. And you watch what happens. You watch what happens. Um, you watch how nightmares cannot penetrate your mind. Why? Because when you protect them with the blood of Jesus, you say, God, please protect my mind with the blood of Jesus. 
when I sleep tonight. Um, and if your child is having um, night terrors, you know, and, and they're having nightmares, put your hand on your child and pray, Lord Jesus, protect my child with the blood of Jesus. When they sleep, when they go out, you know, whenever they outside, whatever they do, protect them with the blood of Jesus. And, you know, a prayer that I prayed over our kids thousands of times is the ironic blessing, Aaron's blessing in the Old Testament. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. I would lay my hand on their head from the day they were born. And I would pray that prayer over them literally thousands of times as they were, were growing up. And that's just one of the things that we as parents can do to help our children when they're young in those critical first five years that you never get back. Um, if you're um, a parent of a little one or going to be a parent of a little one, I'm telling you, every single day, you can make an incredible impact on them that, that can last for eternity. But, but pray for them, lay your hand on them, ask, the blood of, ask God to protect them with the blood of Jesus. And like I say, just a temporal benefit. Um, is, you know, you know, Martin Luther said, and I, I believe this is true, not because he said it, but others say that too. He, he said that, um, he believed that nightmares come from demons. And I think that's true because a nightmare is not your typical dream. Uh, you know, I just had a, a, a crazy dream last night, son. It was, I, I don't even remember. It was maybe this morning, you know, and, uh, there was a school. He would get a real kick out of this. Um, and I, I haven't, thought about Tim, you know, for, I don't know, how many, you know, how many months or whatever. I mean, we, we talked a while back. But anyway, I went to school. I went to college with him. And I was in this dream where Tim said, uh, he told me that Good Morning America is coming tomorrow. They're going to be interviewing us about family issues. So, like, Tim and, you know, family issues and me and my family. So, I mean, where in the world does that come from? I mean, you know, that's just, you know, but, but that's not a nightmare. You know, that, that's just kind of the crazy world of dreams that that we can all have and um good morning america did not show up at the door today uh but i had that dream but uh but nightmares on the other hand you can put a protective barrier up um around your mind um around your sleep and just pray lord jesus protect me with your body in fact so I, I i'm thinking of someone that we both know um that uh who had shared with us in a recent Bible study, and she's an elderly Christian woman, and she had shared uh, in our in our Bible study this terrible dream that she had, and there was like this snake, this serpent that was like trying to get her, and and um, anyway, so I told her, I said, hey, just pray that the blood of Jesus protect your sleep when you go to bed, and you know what she told me the other day, son? She said, hey, I haven't had any more nightmares. And, and I've had people tell me that over the years. You know, I've known people who they, and that's a temporal benefit, son. That, that's not getting anybody into heaven, but it sure is making life here a little bit more um, enjoyable if you don't have to have nightmares at night. But if the blood of Jesus can do that for, for your sleep, um, think about what the blood of Jesus can do um, to cover your sins and bring you into God's eternal kingdom in heaven, um, in paradise, a place of perfection. Um, so my friend, if you really want power in your life, then just simply say to the Lord in faith, wash me, Jesus, in your precious blood. And then say it again tomorrow and say it the next day. And 
and start to have those scales come off your eyes where maybe you, 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 you maybe almost like maybe kind of like what Bob Saget said. I don't know what happens in the afterlife. Well, my friend, I'm telling you, I do know um, because God's word is very, very clear. Um, and you too can know, but only if you take the hand of Jesus and trust him as your savior to forgive your sins. You know, a lot of, I'll do a pickup there. A lot sure. of people, Dan, you know, a lot of people look to these celebrity type folks out there for their advice. You know, they, they look to them as to what they're going to do in life. You know, for example, you had, you know, this current presidential administration getting a bunch of people at the White House singing songs, dancing, whatever, trying to get, you know, the vaccine pushed on people. Um, you know, you have companies, you know, in advertising, use celebrity spokespeople to kind of get people to buy their product, you know. Um, so a lot of people will listen to celebrities and, and musicians and actors and, you know, these perceived, you know, whatever you want to look at them at, you know, as, as if they know more. And so when you when I hear something like Bob Saget talking about, you know, I'm going to defer to Betty White and Betty White says something like, you know, oh, I'm just going to be with my loved ones or whoever I want to be with. You know, it's kind of a scary thought to think that people will actually buy into that or could possibly buy into that. And, and be deceived by that because, you know, Danny Tanner was probably one of the all-time greatest dads on TV, you know. He brought a lot of uh, good values to the television through his parenting and on the show. You know, it wasn't like an Al Bundy, you know, or somebody like that or Homer Simpson, you know. And so people would want to deflect to that and be like, okay, so he was a good, a good parent on TV even though he was acting. Maybe he knows, you know, maybe it's something we should follow. And so the one thing that we have to be cautious in what we do is who are we listening to and why are we listening to them? Because there's a lot of times that even in the Christian world, people will say things and others will just gobble it up without a second thought because of whoever the person was, the source. And so, you know, people have to be careful as to what they listen to and what they believe, and they have to double and triple check it on their own. You can't have to do your own research. You know, in journalism school, you're taught, at least at one time you were, that you have to go get two, three sources, you know, at least two. Um, when you do a, a research paper, you know, there's anywhere between, you know, three and five resources that you need to pull from in order to make it a legit paper, you know. And, and then as you get more into academia and, and deeper into academia, these papers and publications might require more you know, sources, you can't just throw things out there unfounded, you know, in court, everything has to be proven, you know, you can't just throw things out there as it's, it's hearsay or, you know, unsubstantiated facts or something like that. But yet people just listen to celebrities on what they say about heaven, you know, and we've talked about how a lot of celebrities think that, you know, hell's going to be one big party. You know, I can't wait to party with my friends down in hell. It's going to be great. We're going to have a good time. And everyone's, you know, listens to that. And, and it's kind of saddening because people will believe it. People will believe celebrities talking about God, talking about Jesus, talking about the afterlife, heaven, hell, and they're ignorant of the facts, but they throw things out there and it's deceiving and misleading the people. And so the one thing that I would say is that, you know, we have to be careful as to who we're listening to as to what they're saying, even inside the Christian faith, because it could be misleading and that being misled, that misinformation that uh, we're hearing 
could ultimately have a huge impact on our forever if we don't, you know, fact check it ourselves. Well, that's it, son. And it does kind of come back to, you know, what source is a person looking to in order to learn the truth? What are they going to base their beliefs upon? Uh, I think about a relative of mine uh, who uh, made a, a comment about how, um, you know, he and his wife, you know, many of their friends, uh, maybe even most of their friends are Jewish. Um, they're not Jewish, but many of their friends are. But he made this comment that, you know, he ran into this Hasidic Jew on the streets of New York City and they got into a little conversation. And apparently this Hasidic Jew had made a comment to him about, you know, the afterlife. And my relative then was pointing to that as like a, a basis of knowledge that can be trusted for the afterlife. And, you know, the thing about it is this. Why would someone take the word of a Hasidic Jew over the word of the most famous Jew who's ever been on the planet, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, and yet that's what man does. I mean, you know, Jesus many times is relegated to the back row as people are, are basing their views. Well, you know, I'm going to defer to Betty White on this, or this Hasidic Jew told me, therefore, you know, so that, that just goes along with your point, Son, that people will take the word of a celebrity, maybe a religious figure, well, the Pope said it, you know, so if the Pope said it, um, and this is where people get into so much trouble. You know, I was just um, looking at Son, I, I don't ever remember seeing it. There was a book that came out, I think in 2008, but it's like 50 testimonies of former Catholic priests, um, all of whom say that when, while they were priests, they were not converted. They were not saved. They were not forgiven. They were trying to work their way. Now, I'm not suggesting that every Catholic priest falls into that camp. I'm just saying that here was 50 of them, and, and they told their story and gave their testimony of what they were doing to try to work their way through the Catholic system, um, and they did not have uh, peace with Christ. You know, you, you mentioned um, uh, Lee Strobel, uh, who had been a journalist, as you say, with uh, the Chicago Tribune. And uh, I just actually today, Son, was listening to a, uh, an interview that he had with someone about, uh, it was on her podcast, I think Alyssa Childers, uh, I'm getting her name right, um, but she has some good, um, some good material. Um, some good guests and so forth. Well, she interviewed Lee Strobel, and I guess he has a book out now, um, like Evidence for Heaven, uh, I think is the gist of the net title, but I'm really looking into the what they call the NDEs, the near-death experiences, and there's a lot of research on that. And without going into all that, um, simply to say that, you know, Lee has done a lot of investigating, um, and, you know, he came to, to know Christ after he investigated the evidence for the resurrection. You know, one of the things, too, about that interview that was interesting, Simon, we're talking, we mentioned hell here a moment ago. Um, they were talking about hell a little bit, and, and they, um, they brought out a point that sometimes we maybe need to bring up a little bit more. But there are Bible verses that make it clear that there will be different degrees of punishment in hell. You know, Jesus talked about that. How it would be more bearable for some than others because of, like, you know, the way they treated the Messiah and this and that. Um, I mean, obviously, Hitler's going to have it a lot worse than, 
uh, you know, maybe uh, our, our neighbor who just um, has no interest in God, but, um, you know, or maybe uh, whoever you might think of. Um, but my, my, my point is, though, Son, um, God is a just God. And just as there were different types of punishment in the Old Testament for different types of sin, um, you know, the Bible is clear that there will be, I believe, um, different degrees of punishment in hell. Now, it'll be terrible for everyone there. It'll be the worst possible thing you could have. But at the same time, um, God is just. And, and so those who do go to hell um, will hate being there. And um, it's going to be horrible. Um, but it's not even something you really like to think about. But, you know, there is nothing in the Bible that teaches that man's soul is annihilated. Um, the moment he dies, everything in scripture is very clear. Um, the soul will either go to heaven or to hell. Um, and, and by the way, you know, the Bible does talk about different rewards in heaven. Um, you know, bless you, you're persecuted. Um, for great is your reward in heaven. And so um, heaven can be great for everybody there. But if you were to say to me based on scripture that the thief on the cross who got into the last moment, may not have as many rewards, whatever those are. He may not have as many rewards as the missionary who spent decades in a land of persecution or maybe spent, you know, years in prison for um, his or her faith or maybe suffered tremendous persecution. So, um, you know, there's a difference in the New Testament between gift and reward. Eternal life is a gift. You can't earn it. Um, you can't buy it. It's, it's a free gift. Now, once you're in, um, then, you know, our works will be tested with fire, it says in Corinthians. And some of, the, <clears throat> excuse me, some of those works will be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. So the things that maybe a Christian did for their own recognition, that's all wood, hay, stubble. There's no reward for that. But it's going to be tested with fire, the Bible says. And, and then whatever is, it survives that fire will be like the, the gold and, and silver and, and, and precious uh, gems that so whatever those are, I don't know what those rewards will be. So I don't know if it's if it means like a greater capacity, almost like to enjoy heaven. Not that someone won't enjoy it um, if they have fewer rewards, but but the Bible does teach this, and I think this is where many people too they they, they misunderstand the gospel because they think well if I work you know I can be moral enough and God will reward me by bringing you to me to heaven. No, He won't. No one can earn their way to heaven. You know, it says in James 2.10, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So the only way to get into heaven is through the blood of Jesus. Um, and that's going to be the, the greatest reward in heaven will be just to be with Jesus and, and to worship our Lord. Um, um, so I don't know what those rewards or what that punishment involves, but they do. Uh, the Bible does teach different degrees. Um, and, and it does make sense son, when you think about it, because, I mean, think about those Christians in countries unlike America, where we have it relatively easy here compared to Christians in certainly, I mean, North Korea and China and, you know, you know, many places of the Middle East and so forth. Um, I mean, my goodness, or, or how about these Christians who they, they convert from Islam and their family renounces them, um, their family maybe tries to kill them. Um, hey, I have no problem understanding scripture to say, you know, great is the reward of those folks in heaven. 
Um, one last little story. I mean, I remember uh, Pastor DJ from India told us about two missionaries that he had trained Daniel and Isaac, and they were serving the poorest of the poor in India, uh, Calcutta, I believe it was. And these uh, Hindu extremists were telling them, get out of here. We don't want you here. And they felt like God wanted them there. So they just they continued ministering there. And they ended up being kidnapped by these extremists. And their bodies were found in burlap bags. They had hot oil poured on them, and they were cast off on the side of the road. Now, we can't even fathom, son, the horrendous suffering that they went through. Um, but when the Bible says that they're going to have a great reward in heaven, I don't know what that reward is going to be. And I know nobody in heaven is going to you know, be jealous of somebody else's reward. But I have no problem um, understanding that God has um, some, just some extra uh, benefits, if you will, for that kind of sacrifice. But, um, I mean, is that making sense? I mean, that, that's how I understand and, and how many Christians, you know, understand <laughs> the teaching of, you know, biblical rewards and then also uh, different degrees of punishment in hell. Well, yeah, and that's the thing when it comes down to, like you said, you know, the important thing is, first and foremost, that we need to make sure that we're going to heaven because without that, then we don't have to worry about that. Um, and so we need to make Amen. sure that, so that we have to make sure we're right with God and make sure that that precious blood from the Lamb of God yes. is washed over us. And then I think naturally, like you said, you know, I can't imagine, like, you know, some of the apostles, for example, you know, and what they've right. gone through on the early church. You know, I don't think I've done yes. anything um, right. that has warranted, you know, I don't want to say right. stature, but, you know, some of these people were out there and they were, you know, like you said, tortured or they were uh, held in prison mm -hmm. or, you know, they mm -hmm. were a number of things that happened to them. And then, like you said, missionaries yeah. that have gone overseas and have, you know, spread the gospel. Um, you know, it's just unbelievable. But I think, too, the other thing that's kind of exciting is that God calls us to be who we are and he has a plan for us. But the ultimate yeah. plan, first and foremost, is that we need to make sure that that blood of Jesus is washing over us and that we believe in that. Amen. Because otherwise, we're not going to get to heaven. We won't be able to get any rewards. We won't be able to have, no, right. you know, forever in paradise. And we'd be spending eternity suffering and having that yes. uh, that uh, agony for all eternity. Yes. And and so I think absolutely. That, so I think that you know, for like you said, I, I agree with what you're saying. But for people that mm -hmm. might be like, uh, what's going on? You know, I thought you said works didn't yeah. matter. You know, it goes back right. to the very foundation that we got to believe. Once we start to believe and confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now we have the mm -hmm. confidence to know that we're going to heaven, and then we don't have to worry about it because God has our, pla right. our path laid out for us, and he's going to use right. us the way he wants us to be used, and he's going to provide us opportunities right. if we're open to them to be able to be used by him. And some, mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, he's been, you know, some have been called to be teachers. Some have been called to be preachers. Some have been called to, to be, you know, right. uh, you know stay-at-home moms. You know, we don't know. God has called yeah. people to do different things. And so once we're saved, once we have that commitment, that conversion, and we become a follower right. of Jesus, God's going to lay out that plan, and then we just follow that plan, mm -hmm. and the rewards will be there waiting for us as God sees fit. Well, that's right, Son. And, and you know, in, in all my years, I mean, in decades of seeking to, you know, serve the Lord as a, as a pastor and, and sharing the gospel and in college and then ever since then, I can't think of a time where I've ever thought, well, boy, now, you know, boy, I'm going to get a good reward for, for that 
active ministry or whatever. So I, it, it, it never entered my mind. But but the reason I think that, uh, well, first of all, I'll say this. Uh, if I was in another country um, where there was intense persecution, it may very well be, you know, entering my mind. Um, but um, the bottom line is, like you said, um, the main thing is that a person uh, be saved, um, have the blood of Jesus wash over them. And, and then God also knows that, you know, it's an interesting time because God did not have to put anything in the Bible about rewards. Um, but, but it's very important that a person, because when, when you read the Bible, you see gift and then you see reward. And those are not the same things. I mean, a gift, you don't do anything to receive. A reward is based on merit. Um, so how can that possibly fit into Christianity? Well, the Bible shows how it does. But, but if we don't separate justification from sanctification, if we don't separate being saved on the front end, where you're redeemed, justified, born again, uh, forgiven, um, and, and, and just and washed of your sins, okay? Um, if you don't understand that that happens on the front end, um, then you can end up like with what the cults do. So what the cults teach is that you got to strive and strive and strive, and they might use that word reward, but what they're using it this way, son, they're saying, well, reward will be getting to go into heaven because you obeyed enough, you did enough. And that is, that is a rejection of the gospel. Um, the person who's trying to earn heaven as their reward, um, they're going to miss out. They're going to end up in hell um, because for whatever reason, God laid it out this way. That is faith. You're saved by grace through faith. And people hate that. In the cults, they hate that. They want some credit for it. They, 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 want, they want to take the credit. And so they teach, well, you can't really know that you're saved. You know, you got to keep, and this is, I'm sorry, but this is often what happens in the Catholic Church. They don't give people the assurance of salvation. Um, you got to keep doing more. You got to keep doing more. So the Bible does not, um, does not approach it that way. The Bible says that when you come to Christ and you say, wash me in your precious blood, you say, Jesus, forgive my sins. Um, you are completely forgiven and sealed with the Holy Spirit. Um, your name is now in the Lamb's Book of Life. Um, and, and, and so the only people who are going to get rewards in heaven, son, are those whose names in the Lamb's Book of Life. And, 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 and what put your name in there was not what you did. It was not your works. It was put in there because by grace you've been saved through faith by the blood of Jesus Christ. But, um, you know, you'll hear people say, well, yeah, all you got to do is believe, blah, 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 blah. And they, and they make fun of that. Well, wait a minute. You don't get it. Um, if you truly are converted, you're going to want to live for Christ. Um, those who mock the gospel don't understand it. Um, and, and this goes back to some spiritual understanding and, and people not knowing, you know, how, how to be saved, how, how to be forgiven. And, and my friend, if, if, if this is making sense to you today, if any of this is making sense, or even a little bit, um, I cannot implore you um, enough to just call upon the Lord today while it's fresh in your mind. I mean, even now, before this podcast, before you're done listening to this, um, why not just say, if you can say it sincerely, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, if you believe you're a sinner, if you believe that his blood has power, if you believe that his sacrifice paid for your sins, then just call on the Lord and say, Jesus, wash me in your precious blood. And you watch what happens with your spiritual sight, your spiritual hunger. You watch. And the last thing 
you're going to be wanting to do is what some of these critics will say. You know, these critics will say, well, you know, you can just say that and live however you want to live. Nobody who knows Christ um, is going to approach it that way. Only those the Bible would call hypocrites, those who are pretending. They, they, they don't really mean it. Their, their heart's not in it. They're not really sorry for their sins. They're not really appreciative of what Jesus did for them. You know, it's all show, like the Pharisees, many of the Pharisees in the New Testament. It's all show. So, my friend today, one sentence can change your life forever. Wash me, Jesus, in your precious blood. Will you say that today? If you can say it in faith, if you mean it, then just watch and, and wait and see how God begins to work in your life, in your heart, um, and just in your desires going forward. Dan Delzell with me as we talk about and navigate through these issues. And Dan, we, uh, we appreciate it. Um, all the time that you spend with us and, and sharing with us your insight and, um, just going over some of these things because, you know, there is a lot of things out there that people read a lot of, uh, I guess other people that they listen to. And, you know, we just try to provide that, uh, that biblically based conversation. And, you know, I encourage people, you know, if you listening to us to go check the Bible yourself, because everything we say should be checked against the, uh, the Bible. Um, I'm pretty confident that, um, you know, what you, what you will find is biblically based, but I encourage you not to take our words for it, to go out there and do the investigation Amen. yourself and, and find out for yourself because it's not a relationship based on what Dan and I say. It's a relationship between uh-huh. you and Jesus. It's a relationship between, it's a personal relationship between you and God. And we're just trying to direct you uh, to where to go and what to, and how to maybe start the, the process. And, and once you start that process of, of reaching out to God with a simple prayer or a simple, you know, acknowledgement, God, I'm, I'm seeking, I don't know if you exist. Um, I don't know if I want to know you, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to seek and find out. You lead me and you guide me to where I need to go. And he will. And Amen. Then and then it's up to you to take that information and decide if, A, you want to accept it, or B, you want to reject it. But I guarantee once you mm-hmm. do, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free if you believe. Well, Sean, if I might add, the other thing I would say, and that's perfect, uh, the other thing I would say is, my friend, if you uh, – I mean, feel free to press back on anything you've heard. I mean, if you think something unbiblical, press back on that. If you have a further question, press back. You know, send an email to Son or send an email to myself at, at dandelzell at cox.net, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L at cox.net. I mean, email one of us. Press back on it. Um, seek more answers. Like I say, like Son said so beautifully, um, don't take our word for it. And if you've heard anything that you think contradicts God's inspired word, please speak up. And, and challenge that thought or ask more, because we don't claim to have all the answers. Uh, but we claim that God's word does, and we know it does. And, um, you know, so when, whenever you're listening to a message, whether it be like this or from a preacher or anybody, eat the meat and spit out the bones. You know, um, if there's something that's not grounded in Scripture, as Simon just said so well, then reject it. You know, reject it. But if what we said or anything you've heard today, if it resonates and if it, if it confirms if it comes from scripture um if it's if it's based on scripture then you would be wise to accept it to embrace it to make it a vital part of, of your core being um going forward all beginning with wash me jesus in your precious blood and that's when the gift of eternal life is given there's no greater reward in heaven than being with jesus um once you make it there 
Um, you're never going to be jealous of anybody else's reward or, or anything like that. Uh, but, but as Sean said, it's very critical that you make it. Um, and that's why the Bible says, test yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. So are you trusting in Christ today? Or are you trusting in your works? Are you trusting in his blood? Or are you trusting in your religion? So um, yeah, I just thank you, Son, for uh, you know your terrific podcast, these discussions we're able to have, and we pray that the Holy Spirit will help um, listeners to these uh, to these talks that we have um, to know Christ and then grow in Christ. Yeah, my email address is just my name, Son S O N N Edom E I D E M Son Edom at gmail dot com. Go ahead and reach out, and uh, we'll get back to you. Um, and then. Um, we appreciate you listening, Dan. Thanks again so much for your time. We look forward to many more conversations as God allows. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about 2022 and what God has uh, going on. So it should be exciting. Amen, son. I should look forward to all these future discussions. And thanks for all you do. And we'll look forward to next time. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.